0: We have a topic today which, Shahid, I want you to introduce shortly. But before we dive into that, I want to get like a hype level, a hype check for Zelda. So since we, me and Federica recorded last month, we got the final trailer and then a couple of days ago, uh, some, some, I think, pretty unexpected previews started popping yeah. Uh, yeah, from basically every major games outlet and some kind of like tech outlets. Uh, Shahid, I actually want to ask you first, because you you couldn't make our last episode. What are your hype levels for Tears of the Kingdom right now?
1: My hype levels are at 8.
0: Out of? 10. Okay, I mean, it could have been 20, it could have been 8. I don't know. Yeah, it could fair. be eight out of seven. Eight out of seven.
1: <laughs> eight out of seven. Yeah, eight let's out five, let's go with <laughs> <you know? laughs> let's go, go with eight out of zero. Well, let me see. How about I want to
0: see if you can cast your mind back because I've been trying to think about this for myself and I'm intrigued to see what you both think. Are you more hyped for this than you were Breath of the Wild? No. You were more excited for Breath of the Wild? Yes. Okay. Much more. Okay. Do you have anything you want to add about your feelings for Zelda before I ask Federico?
1: It's very hard for them to go better. Really, really hard. Mm-hmm. How, how often do long-awaited sequels perform as well? I mean, it's just almost impossible because it isn't, yeah. it isn't entirely new. We know the sequel story. They've had a long time, though. It's not like they couldn't have made it absolutely the best thing they possibly could. So obviously, I mean, eight is a really good score out of 10. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's a really good score. There are very few things that get me to 10. Um, Probably can count them on the fingers of one hand for my entire career. So eight out of 10 is quite high. I think they'll do an absolutely bang up job. I think it will be something that everybody loves. But I can't see how they will change the world the way they did with the first one.
0: Okay, Federico, where are your hype levels
2: on the 10 point hype check scale? On the 10, uh, 23, out, 23 of 10. out of 10. 23 out of 10. That's a it's really all, good score. It's all I can think about. It's all I can think about. I'm counting down the days to to Tears of the Kingdom. Like, it's, it's unhealthy right now yeah. for me because, like, the thing for me is I am much, much more hyped for Tears of the Kingdom than Breath of the Wild because. That, I at the time I was not hyped for Breath of the Wild. I was hyped for the Switch as a console. I was like, I was happy that a new Zelda was gonna be the launch title. But I was also, if you recall, we were kind of concerned, oh, this is gonna be a Wii U game. Yep. That they're porting to the Switch. Oh, it looks so empty. Right? We it kept saying, empty. I remember that. It looks it gon- empty. Yep. Yeah. It looks empty. It's going to be boring. And then, of course, we were surprised. Now I am hyped because I know how much of a good thing they gave me six years ago. But it's been six years and I, and I need more. Like, I feel like all these years... You know, I, I played Breath of the Wild for like a year, year and a half, and then I jumped into Pokemon, and Pokemon became my pandemic game. But after I was done in 2022 with, with Pokemon Sword, like, these past couple of years, I've been dipping in and out of uh, multiple games. You know, a bunch of indie games, and of course the Steam Deck has been great, but I've really missed that big, meaty, chunky game to really sink my teeth into. And that's why I, I just... It's all I can think about, and I'm struggling to. I think I've actually done pretty good in terms of like not reading too many articles about about it, and I haven't watched a single gameplay uh, demo that yeah. a few YouTubers have been able to put out because I I just I don't want I don't want to see I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to look right now.
0: So I think I'm pretty similar to you. Like I was interested about. Breath of the Wild but had some trepidation like I'd never actually completed a Zelda game right up until that point so I was a little bit like "Hmm, I I, I dipped in and out I played some here and there but like uh, uh, I hadn't I I didn't have the like the big Zelda experience um, but I was willing to try it and obviously it's it's my favorite game of all time I would say the trailer, the final trailer, put me at a twenty-three out of ten. Like I was <laughs> I've watched that trailer like four times. Like yep. it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> the previews have put me at a 20 out of 10. I'm nervous about the conversation around complexity mm. in the game. Like I'm I'm worried that the additional mechanics of fusing are going to make the game harder to control and less intuitive and experience. Like I'm a little bit nervous about that, and I have faith that Nintendo thought this through. And what I'm thinking is, you know, these the, the all of the people that got to play it, they got to play just an hour, so it's not enough time to let the controls settle in with them yet, right? Yeah. Um, Because, you know, like, uh, um, in preparing for this, uh, I convinced my wife to complete Breath of the Wild. All she had to do was beat Ganon. So... She has been picking it up, and she's done it, and now is kind of doing some of oh, the... Oh, she's done it? She's done nice. it. Yeah, she crushed it first time. I, I, I nice. have no idea how she keeps doing this. Like, I watch her play, and she struggles with with some interactions, but whenever it comes to a boss, first time, just murders them. I, it's incredible. Um, and so now she's doing some of the um, the expansion pass stuff. Right? She got the bike, right? Like, I really was like, you got to Oh, get the nice. Bike. And so... I've sometimes, like, I'm like, oh, can I... Like, she's, if she's struggling with something, that like she's doing the, um, the trial, sword, the sword trial thing right now.
2: Yeah, that was evil. That, yeah, that that so hard. That thing was evil, yeah. And yeah. As I just
0: said to her today before uh, I left for the studio, I was like, can I play a round of one? I just want to see what it's like again. And I'm playing it, and I'm pressing the wrong buttons constantly, and I'm, like, reminded of the fact that, for me, the Zelda controls are unintuitive in general. Like... Run and jump are in the wrong place. Like, they should be next to each other, but they're not, right? So, like, there are things like that where, obviously, I got used to that, and so I'm hoping that will be the same here. But, yeah, I'm really, really, really excited about this video game. Like, I cannot wait to play it, but I now do have this little asterisk of, like, I I really hope that they... Obviously, have introduced a lot of complexity to the game, but that the game doesn't require you to be the smartest player, right? That like, you'll only get a great experience out of this if you're the one who comes up with the idea of attaching this to this. You know what I mean, right? Like, I I I want to still feel rewarded, mm-hmm. even if I don't have the very best solutions to yeah, a so, problem.
2: So without getting too much into spoiler territory, but based on the very little information that I read couple of things I want to point out here. Um, it's I have read that um, all of the clever crafting is mostly optional. Like there's always gonna be a path, like an obvious path presented to you. Uh, in terms of like how you can reach an island, for example, or how you can beat an enemy or a boss, but if you want to, you can get creative. Now, obviously, the balance of this will uh, will have to see. But yep. I've read in a couple of articles that like it, there's always going to be like an obvious path forward. And the second thing is, um, you will be able to uh, to save some of your creations as basically blueprints. So if you come up with something really clever, there's gonna be a mechanic that allows you to save that, like as a preset no, that's for the future.
0: Very good.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. So a lo- very good thing. As long as you have the "quote unquote" uh, resources and ingredients, you have for like, it, recipes you can, basically. You have recipes, and and you can recreate one of your creations. <laughs> right. That's good. Much, yeah. Yeah. I don't
0: want to sit in front of a crafting table. Doo-doom, exactly. Doo-doom, doo-doom. I don't want that. Right. Like I don't want that. So that's 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 good to hear at least.
2: Yeah. So we'll see. That's uh, you know, couple couple of weeks to go. Like oh, 15, 15 oh, Obviously, on that's our next episode. So we will be we
0: will be releasing an episode at the end of May to give us enough time to play as much of the game as possible. I'm not expecting to have completed it, neither will I try to. You know what? Like I'm just I'm going to play this video game and we'll see how far we are by that point. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm not going to expect to defeat the final boss within, like, a two, three week span. I, I want to be able to take yeah. my time with this. Yeah. Because, you know, to echo what you were saying, Shahid, about, like, it's so rare for a game to top it. Like, I, I don't think that... Like, this may be a situation where this is like a, a God of War Ragnarok, right? Where, like... This game may be better than Breath of the Wild in basically every way, but I'm not sure that it will score better because it won't... I can't imagine that this game could be as transformative as Breath of the Wild, but I still remain hopeful that it might be. But like for me, it's kind of like this could end up becoming my favorite game of all time as well, but I don't. even if it does, I, I doubt I would have the same reverence for it That I do for Breath of the Wild just because Mm -hmm. of the context around the game and the surprise. Like, we're the, the level of expectation on this game is so much higher than on Breath of the Wild because we had this big experience with it. So I'm fascinated. I can't wait to play it, and I'm very intrigued for the reviews. I would expect people are getting it now like to start playing oh, yeah. for reviews right
2: yeah i think so yeah like
0: it's kind of got to be good 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 2 3 weeks with this game a
2: couple of weeks with this game yeah i think right? that's what they gave him with elden ring last yeah. year yeah. yeah yeah and and i saw that some some uh journalists said it's probably bigger than elden ring which,
0: which <laughs> i can't fathom that i don't i, th- I no. don't know i don't know if that's possible i i can't because I haven't played Elden Ring, right? But everyone's like, Elden Ring is like three times bigger than Breath of the Wild. It's like I yeah, can't fathom absurd, how that yeah. could be feasible, In considering a all game. of the, Yeah, exactly. It, that doesn't. That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Shahid, would you like to set up what else we're going to be talking today? You had a great idea for a for a discussion.
1: Yeah, I wanted to talk about guilty games, and <laughs> um, <laughs> the the games that are like that secret tub of ice cream you have hidden away in the freezer, right, that one day you forget about. And you know you should have protein, right? You should have a nice healthy meal. You should have. You should cook yourself something decent. Get some vegetables there, get some spices in there, be imaginative, you know, be an absolute hero in the kitchen, eat healthily. But then You know, instead of doing the right thing, you suddenly remember that in the freezer, there's that tub of ice cream, salted caramel Mm. that you absolutely love. And then you go there, it's instinctive. You just go there, reach around the back, you find this tub and you cane the whole lot. And there's 360 calories gone and it feels absolutely great. But then you feel guilty. Like, why did I do that? My time is limited. I should be spending it playing new games. I should be learning new things. I should be imaginative. I should try out the things that perhaps I don't want to try out, but that everyone else is saying, great. And then you end up playing one of these guilty games, the games that you always turn to when you either feel pushed for time or you just don't want to make a decision and you just want to feel good. And these are the things that carry on making you feel good. You feel guilty not because you're playing this game, but because of the opportunity cost. Because you could have been spending that precious time playing something new. How does that sound? That
0: do you want to give us? Do you want to start off and give us your examples of your? I guess they're kind of like guilty pleasures, right? It's like they mm-hmm. as well as like as a way. I guess you just could yeah. describe these games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying it's inherently bad. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes I question my decisions when I'm playing these. But I'm going to start off, for me, with a category. And that category has been recently named. And the category is boomer shooters. And I just (laughs) love the term. Boomer (laughs) shooter! (laughs) (laughs) So these are games that don't have an awful lot of depth. And they kind of started off by the likes of Doom and Quake. Yeah, You move quickly... You have tons and tons and tons of weapons. You have tons of progressively more and more difficult enemies. You have a well-designed series of levels. You have a good sense of progression. You don't have to think. You just blast and you get better and better. Now, me being an arcade gamer, a Twitch gamer, these things are made for me. And the two games that I keep going back to as my guilty boomer shooters, the first is uh, is Devil Daggers, which came out a few years ago and has that early PlayStation 1 aesthetic. It's really masterfully done the way they've recreated those texture mapped, lo- you know, lo fi texture map look, but they got the whole speed of the game down to a T. It is rock hard. It's absolutely incredibly terrifyingly hard but it's so perfectly fair so well balanced so easy to get into and play and I keep going back to it because I keep convincing myself I could be better at this I know I can get better at this but amongst all of my friends on my steam list I am the worst and that really bugs me and that is one reason why I keep going back to now. Don't get me wrong; the people I'm playing against who play this are really good gamers, and there's not that many of them who play games like this, right? So I don't feel too bad about being bottom of the list, but it does keep me going back. I'm just hoping one day that I beat at least the next guy up, and then he comes back to his steam deck or his PC, and looks at it and sees me above him. And is forced into endless guilty gaming himself in order to try and beat my score. That that would be perfect for me.
0: It's almost it's something you can inflict on somebody else as well, which is good.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the The other example of that is uh, a recent addition to the Xbox Game Pass. It's a game published by Humble Games called Proteus, and I've been playing this game to death and i absolutely love it it's so good it's so beautifully balanced Oh, the visuals are fantastic oh my goodness Uh, uh, the great thing about it is i actually played the first three or four hours with the original visuals before realizing that in the settings you could bump everything up massively And you start getting much more modern visuals. And I did that. And you know what's interesting for me is the game didn't actually get any better. It does look beautiful, but it made me realize that those original graphics, the original visuals that hark back to the early days of the boomer shooters, before they were called boomer shooters, before we were actually boomers.
0: When they were just first-person shooters.
1: Yeah. Like, that's all they were. That's all they were. (laughs) That's all they were. And. And you know what? I didn't miss the new graphics because the game was so well balanced. One of the things that my, uh, my peers in the industry talk about a lot is how brilliantly designed the original Quake levels were.
0: Yeah.
1: They don't talk about, you know, the general industry doesn't talk about that a lot, but the, the level design in Quake is absolutely spectacular, superbly weighted, you never get lost. That's a weird thing, because me, I easily get lost in video games. You didn't need a map. You built the map really easily, because the signposting was really expertly done. It was done in a way that wasn't explicit. You didn't have to have this little HUD element that pointed you at your next objective You knew where you were supposed to go. You knew where the enemies were going to be spawning. You had really good triggers for when the next wave would arise. And Proteus captures that perfectly. Very few games since Quake have managed to get the level design aspect and the progression—you know, the progressive difficulty—right. Proteus absolutely nails it. It's so good, in fact, that I am going to make a confession that Mm. I really shouldn't, but uh, but I will anyway. So. About guilt, yeah. I'm admitting admitting some guilt. So recently it was Ramadan, Mm -hmm. during which I was fasting. And you're supposed to, uh, apart from the obvious, which is no eating, no drinking, you're not really supposed to be taking too much pleasure. But while I was fasting, this was the game I played. (laughs) And there was no way I could justify to myself that I was doing this for... Research, or as part of my work, which would be a justifiable excuse. I was doing it for pleasure, and I feel a little tinge of regret about it. But now that we're talking about it on remaster, I feel slightly redeemed because this is a kind of work.
0: I oh, see so now. Now we see why had suggested this topic in the first place. I see what you're <laughs> doing. No, I sense. see what you're doing. Very clever. <laughs> 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 hey boys, I've got a great idea. <laughs> That's why yeah
1: redemption my shot at redemption <laughs> <laughs> but here's how, here's another thing that that makes me um really pleased that i picked this up it's recommended by uh, my good friend david eastman by the way shout out to him he's a regular remaster listener Hi, he's david. always giving me he's always giving me feedback on on each episode as well and he told me off for not being on the last one. Mm. You know, I, I, he didn't care that I'm the old guy. He said I should have been there, should have talked about it, I should have offered at least some balance. But no, I chickened out. Anyway, that's not what happened. But why else do I love this game? Well, it's so good, it made me buy an Xbox Elite 2 core controller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what do you I think of that. Oh, I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Tell you what I really love. I'm I'm unzipping it now, Mrs. Um, actually, no, I, I zipped it accidentally because it was already open, ready to be used in my next session of the game. I love the weight of it. Yeah. I love the grippy handles. I love the clickiness of the buttons. Yeah. I love that you can pop off the thumb controllers and tighten the screw to to make them stiffer because... Me, I come from the age where everything was digital. Mm-hmm. So I'm 100% on or 100% off, right? So to have them stiffer means that that little bit of resistance means I start to behave in a more analog manner, yeah. which is essential if you want to get good at these games, right? The other thing I love is the D-pad because it's got such beautiful clickiness that when you go to a diagonal, you feel and hear the clicks of both buttons for that diagonal. Which makes you completely get that both axes have been triggered. Because normally you're not quite sure, right? You don't get that kind of feedback. But you can hear both. Say, for example, I go top right on the D-pad. I hear two clicks. One for the top, one for the right. So I know I'm at a diagonal. And that's really great. right? Uh, What else do I like? I mean, I'm not so fussed about the paddles. If you get the expansion pack, which I did with the case, of course... Um, You get these paddles that go underneath your uh, first and uh, uh, middle fingers. So index finger, middle finger, underneath by the grip. And they're nice. And I think they're there to trigger either presets or other buttons. So for example, instead of taking your hands off the right thumbstick to go for the facepad buttons you could presumably press one of the paddle buttons, which are always within reach, which would make things much, much quicker. I might or might not set those up at some point. Yeah. My fear is always that I would accidentally trigger them. But yeah, I, I love this controller. Uh, I love the fact that you can change the the distance that the uh, trigger buttons travel. There's setting on the back of the joystick to let you do that. So I've got those on minimum distance.
0: Yeah, they go from being like triggers to buttons basically right so yeah like exactly they're clicky rather than i don't know what you'd call otherwise there's not less travel
1: yeah yeah so i've got mine set up with minimal travel again because it makes me feel a bit more um at home with the whole analog to digital thing
0: but well, i think it's easier on your hands too it's less yeah. less movement yeah, I assume that's got. A pro I, I would assume that's easier. I, I I don't know. I guess it also probably differs person to person, but I can see a case for that.
1: Yeah, some people might want the full range of the analog, but I think it depends on the game. So, for example, if I'm playing a driving game, I would <laughs> want full travel. Nope, all on or all off.
0: That's <laughs> how it goes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, driving games, I'd want. I'd want the analog. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd want it more on the brakes and accelerator, in other words, the triggers, than I would on the sticks. Because on the sticks, I'm still all on, all off. And that's proving very difficult to escape. <laughs> oh, I four wish power, I could overcome launch. it. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. And constantly waggling between the two. Because I kind of picked up that behavior from playing Mario Kart. Right, okay. You know, constant waggling back and forth. And the other thing about the older Mario Kart waggling back and forth is... It's what triggered you to go into a slide, and you kept doing it and building up the, the boost, uh, especially the Nintendo sixty four version. So I kind of got that in my muscle memory, and I'm um, kind of set in my ways. Anyway, love this Xbox Elite Two Core controller. Some people have complained about reliability. I've not had it long enough to notice any yeah. issues, and I hardly ever use the face buttons. Yeah. So, I've got two more games for you in my Guilty Games collection. The next one is really old, but one I cannot resist on mobile, and it's Fruit Ninja. Ah, yes. Mm. I cannot stop playing Fruit Ninja on mobile devices. Now, it's not something I play regularly, but if I ever want to kill some time on a mobile device, it's the one game I got really, really good at, and... I still feel like I could better my score. I think my highest ever score was something like, in the arcade mode this is, 1776. I know that's a pretty precise number, but it meant a lot to me at the time. And um, that is one game that just never gets old. Never, ever gets old. I don't understand why. I think it's probably because, for me, it was one of the few games in the early Halcyon days of iOS, when people were beginning to use the device's natural input capabilities to create yep. new types of gameplay,
0: we weren't bringing across a previous game and adapting it for a touchscreen. This
1: is like we would only make this game for the touchscreen; that like, we wouldn't Absolutely. have been made otherwise. Yeah, exactly. And they were doing this at a time when all the apps by Apple were still skeuomorphic. Yeah, right. So so they were ahead of the curve there, and it took a long time before Apple and everybody else in the app space started to abandon skeuomorphism. I'm not criticizing it. I think skeuomorphism is an essential tool to help people move on to the next generation of whatever. And it's why TV shows originally were very static, and they were very much like radio shows. It just helped people to adjust. So that's fine. I'm not criticizing it, but I think that the biggest bane of any mobile game, and I I will still be very hostile to this to this day, is when people try to do D-pad, virtual D pad on yeah. on the device. I like never seriously like oh. never liked it. Yeah. Uh seriously. And and you know what? My open criticism of this is one of the biggest reasons. No, it's the biggest reason why I was able to convince Rami to bring Super Crate Box to the Vita. Mm -hmm. So historically, for me, it's played a really big part. So I remember going to a talk at GDC 2012 where Zach Gage was saying Super Crate Box's implementation of the virtual D-pad was the best he'd ever seen. I went up to him after the talk and said, "Actually, I completely disagree. I think they should be. This is exactly the kind of game where you shouldn't be using virtual, and you should find a way of making it work with." um the d-pad and i i told rami this to his well not to his face but on the phone and funnily enough he agreed completely and uh and we got that to happen yeah so a- anyone who ignores the the specifics of a device's input i think is is just telling their players short sure. so for me fruit ninja was the best example of that from the early days there were loads of others but that for me was amazing. I loved the one-button stuff. You know, you tap the screen and something happens or tilt the screen. You remember Doodle Jump? I loved oh, that because yeah. that was just tap the screen or tilt it left-right to, to control the movement. That was a really good example. But again, tapping the screen is kind of skeuomorphic because it presumes uh, a button-style interface. It's just making the whole screen a button. So for me, Fruit Ninja, absolute king, still player. And the final game in my Guilty Game selection is going to horrify you and it's going to horrify our listeners but it's centipede the old atari game Yes,
2: super old
1: i know i know i still play it to this day
2: how (laughs) Where? okay
1: okay so are are you ready for this what is the craziest device (laughs) i could play a game from 1981 on steam an
2: original atari
1: no much much more obscene much more obscene than original Atari, much more obscene than Steam Deck.
2: The uh, PlayStation
0: 5? Yes. The you play no. on the PS5. How is it on the PlayStation 5? You know,
1: the, oh, uh, the Atari collection. Yes, the Atari yes. collection by my friends at Digital Eclipse. Shout out to Mike Micah, one of the greatest legends in the industry, uh, who was kind enough to give me a copy on the PS5 and has now ruined my life because instead of playing PS5 native games, Whenever I have a guilty moment, uh, I have it always on and I'll just go over to my 48 inch LG OLED and play a 1981 game. Whenever I see these, <laughs>
0: these collection games announced in a, like a video and a direct or whatever, I always think to myself, who are these for? I now know. It's for you, Shade. No, it's, it's for, for me.
1: Jade. But there are all these other games, it's just Centipede. Centipede for me is the one that endures. I still keep going back to it because I'm still getting better at it. Yeah, you know, 42 years later, I'm still getting better at this game. The thing is, I liked it at the arcades, but I get absolutely ruined, and so I couldn't afford to get any better. This is one game that really does afford, sorry that 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 does allow me to continue improving. Yeah, and doesn't feel Ah, okay. Sometimes it does feel unfair, a little bit unfair, but I know why it's doing it. It's doing it because I'm getting good, so to speak. And every yep. time I step it up, those annoying things that fall really fast from the top of the screen, they pick up speed halfway down and they smash me. Um, but other than that, there, it is just the constant feeling of intensity, of uh, chaos. And that for me is the absolute pinnacle of the original old-school Twitch mechanics system. They have so many different mechanics in there that kind of conspire to, to destroy you. And just that feeling of escaping from chaos and making it to the next Centipede is something that just keeps me coming back. And it's so unusual. It's like, just compare it to all the other games of the time. There's nothing like Centipede. There's absolutely nothing like it. And I don't think there's really been anything like it since. It's such such an amazingly unique arcade game of its era. The the next thing that did that for me, you know, that where where you thought, oh my goodness, where did this come from? How is this so different? was Marble Madness by by the immortal Mark Cerny. That was one where you looked and you thought, huh? This is completely at odds with everything else I'm seeing, and yet it was so so charming and so different. But yeah, Centipede. That's it. That's my lot. My Guilty Games. What a great one to finish on. <laughs> I love
2: it.
0: All right, Federico, what you got?
2: All right. So I have, I have a, a bunch of uh, probably weird picks here. So one of them is the kind of game that when I play it, I both feel like I'm wasting my time. But it also makes me feel very good, which is like, to me, this game is like the equivalent of junk food. But I don't mean it in like a derogatory way for the developers. It's probably the game is doing what it's supposed to do. The game is Vampire Survivors, right? It's hmm. and and I, and I guess this is maybe a problem for a bunch of people. Like I just find myself playing Vampire Survivors on my Steam Deck over and over and over. And yeah I make progress and yes I played the game better than I used to play the game but it's just like suddenly 3 hours have passed and I realize maybe I could have gotten further into the, into <laughs> Metroid <laughs> Prime or you know there's oh, a see. bunch of yeah. there's a bunch of games that were in my queue but it's just like it's so frictionless and smooth and it makes me feel so good and like junk food it doesn't make me fat you know it just I don't know, It feels I feel guilty when I play Vampire Survivors for that long, but at the same time, what a game, and what an excellent game for the Steam Deck and just really any mobile device. So I don't know. It makes me feel like that, and probably the game accomplishes what it's supposed to do. I just, I don't feel great about playing two and a half hours of Vampire Survivors, but at the same time, I kind of love it. Um, I also find myself, and this is something that I need to come clean about in Pokemon games, something that I find very relaxing is what other people in the business of, of video games, is this thing called theory crafting, which is thinking about the theory of a game more than actually playing the game. And in Pokemon, in the Pokemon scene, this is a problem for other people and for me included, which is I find it very pleasant to think about the game and to think about competitive play and to build competitive teams more than actually playing competitive online, more than competing. Like there's something so comforting about you know, doing the calculations up front and doing yep. the math and finding the perfect team. Well, perfect in theory, right? Because then you gotta test it. But I don't know, I don't know. Competing online, it's it it's it's a seasonal thing for me. There are times of the year where I'm like, yes, I can get like 20 matches done in a day and I feel great about it. And there are other times of the year where maybe I'm busy with my work or I'm busy with house stuff, and I'm like, I don't have I'm not in the right sort of mind space for this right now. Like I, I, I cannot find. I cannot handle the stress of the competition. But broadly speaking, one of the reasons why I have over eight hundred and fifty hours logged into Pokémon Sword. It's not just that it was my pandemic game. It's also that I just of those eight hundred hours. I would say 400 of them were just about building a team or multiple teams. I have hundreds of Pokémon that I bred myself, that I raised and I gave them the right stats and I have multiple flavors of the same Pokémon like I don't know, I have like something like 20 different dragapults for example, each of each slightly different from the other. And I just find it so comforting and relaxing, but I also again I feel gu- guilty when I do it because I'm like, what am I doing here like am I going to a tournament like this kind of prep like professional players do it like but but I also at the same time I feel guilty yeah. but it makes me feel good, and at the end of the day I'm not I'm, you know i'm not I'm not doing anything wrong like I'm not committing a crime by doing it just then when I think about it, I feel guilty, I guess because of the partly because of the monetary aspect of, like, I have all these other games in my Steam queue that I bought, that I purchased, and I'm not playing them. Instead, I'm, like, I'm building a team for who knows who. But there's also the, like, the curiosity aspect of, I want to try other stuff. But this thing in particular, I find very comforting and pleasant. So, yeah. Um, On a similar note, um, when it's not about building a competitive team, you know what it is? It's fiddling with settings for emulators. <laughs> this, is <such> a, <laughs> this is such a weird thing, but especially with the Dolphin emulator and Duck Station for PS1 uh, also. Finding the perfect settings and the perfect portable machine or portable computer to emulate GameCube and Nintendo Wii games. Man, it's, it's my jam. Like doing that sort of thing. Like, ooh, let me see what resolution... Uh, macbook pro can handle if i also install this custom texture pack or let me see uh if the steam deck can push the same settings as an m1 macbook pro like that sort of stuff what's the answer to that question by the way macbook pro it's a beast but wow the m2 macbook air uh because it's Emulation is all about the CPU, right? So the, the GPU doesn't really matter. And with an M2 MacBook Air, you can basically get the same performance of an M1 Pro or M1 Max MacBook uh, Pro from last year. Mm. Uh, the, the M2 machines are incredible for emulation because it's all about the CPU, right? It's You're not tasking the GPU at all. Whereas of the portable consoles, the Steam Deck is surprisingly efficient, And Valve has been doing a lot of great work for, you know, to to sort of handle the TDP of the Steam Deck. Whereas other sort of portable PCs like the ANEO consoles, uh, those things can get hot when you run Dolphin or other emulators. I am really keen, this is totally an aside, but I am super keen to talk about the Asus ROG Ally that's coming out soon, uh, the, the, their Steam Deck competitor. I don't yep. know if you guys have seen this, but yep. Asus is uh, launching, they're going to do like a keynote on May 11th. So probably we're going to talk about this uh, next month. Um, they're launching the Steam Deck competitor with a brand new Ryzen um, system on a chip based on the RDNA uh, architecture. And apparently the price of the high-end configuration leaked today, like as of a few minutes ago, they're gonna charge just $700 for this, like $50 more than the high-end Steam Deck. If that price is correct, this machine is gonna be really interesting because it's more powerful, slightly lighter with a better screen than the Steam Deck and it runs Windows. So we'll see. But anyway, tweaking emulators... It's so oddly comforting. And I think, I don't know, it appeals to that part of my brain that also appreciates uh, building a competitive team, that also appreciates Final Fantasy games, which is numbers, stats, keeping track of things, and doing mental calculations. I think that's one of my things at this point. And lastly, every (laughs) every year and a half or every couple of years, I start from the beginning and I drop off after a couple of weeks, Zelda Wind Waker. It just it just, it's a regular occurrence in my life at this point. I you know, I, I started back up in an emulator and I play and I actually make pretty good progress, like 20-something hours into the game, and then I drop I drop off. And I think now that we're coming clean about guilty pleasures in video games, I think I do this because subconsciously, I think I am waiting for an official remake, right? Like I was waiting for Metroid Prime. And then I got my Metroid Prime Remaster. now I'm going to finish Metroid Prime. I'm almost at the end. Um, but I think subconsciously, I know that eventually Nintendo will make a remake and I will want to play the official remake, but I still can help myself every once in a while. I install a, a 4K texture pack. I load up Dolphin with Wind Waker for GameCube. And I started again. I did it a couple of months ago. And of course, I dropped off. And I know it's going to happen again. Because Nintendo's not going to give me a remake of Wind Waker. So, yeah. These are my picks. Why? <laughs> Why what? Why? Which <laughs> one? <laughs> the Wind the Waker what? one. Yeah. The Wind Waker one,
0: I don't understand.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, please explain. I don't know. I it feels silly, right? That everyone every couple of years, I I start it and then I don't finish it. I don't think it's silly. I'm I'm just fascinated. Yeah. Because I
1: I understand with something that is really open ended, you could explore endlessly, keep getting better at. This to me sounds something else. That there's something. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to recapture something, or is there something that you think you might have missed, or is it no, just I the think, nostalgia? No.
2: Well, I think I want to replay that game, right? I want to finish that game. It's one of my favorite Zeldas ever. But I start playing it because maybe it's like the time of the year when there are no new video games and then something new comes out and I want to play it. So I'm like, yeah, well, I played this game before. I'll set it aside for a while and then I don't go back to it and another year has passed and i forgot where i was in the game so i'm like well i guess i got to start it again and it's weird i don't know it's and also i particularly appreciate the first uh 10 hours of the game like the the it's, yeah i think it's a combination of things the first 10 hours i really like uh and but then i forget w- where i was like for example i i now I I don't recall where I was when I when I was playing the game six months ago, so when when I will get that itch again, I will have to start again. But I, I know it's gonna happen. I don't know, man. It's weird. Okay, it's strange <laughs> to feel that way with
0: just this game. Yeah, it, that's the thing that I find intriguing. It happened
2: it. enough times. Yeah, that it, I I needed to mention this.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah, my turn.
0: Yes. So I'm struck by this idea that when you were talking about Vampire Survivors, Federico, of like, I have these other games to play. And so, like, for me, I have these games that I want to get to still, like God of War Ragnarok. I want to continue my playthrough of The Last of Us, like, big games considered some of the greatest of all time. But at the moment... I'm only playing PGA 2K on my (laughs) Steam Deck. It's all I'm playing. I have played this golf game for like three weeks. Every time I'm playing any video game, I am playing PGA 2K. And this is my guilty games are these annualized sports games, right? So PGA 2K has now taken up the mantle alongside the Formula One game that comes out every year and the WWE 2K game that comes out every year. And I say these are guilty games because, really, every year I spend somewhere between 70 to 90 pounds, depending on the game version, and if I want some kind of unlockable or whatever, you know, like some kind of DLC that comes with the game, to get what is mostly marginal year-over-year improvement. Yes. Right, like, the uh, which is completely understandable. Like, I've seen people talking about this recently of, like, why aren't these games games as a service games? Why do why do a full release every year? You know, like I don't, I don't know, I, and I'm not sure. Like I feel like I can make economic arguments in both ways, but I feel like just from a development perspective, it would be easier to run these as games as service games instead. Like the F1 game, I should just like you know i just have an amount of money that i pay them every year or i just pay to unlock the new cars or like whatever but saves them from generating a whole new game every year cuz like for example the 2 years ago the formula 1 game added a story mode which was fantastic it wasn't in last year's game because they do not have the resources uh, the developers codemaster and they said this like we can't make that every year and make it good so we're doing it every two years. So this year's edition of the game will have a story mode, but then next year it won't be there again. Is what would be my expectation. So like, I feel like these games could just anyway. That's a different discussion. Like these types of games for me, they are like a staple of every year. They are like a filler game for me between a few things, right? That you know, I have my temp poles in the year, and then I will fill the time up with these other ones, and to me as well the steam deck has made these games even more feasible because they are like especially the formula 1 and the golf PGA game they're really great for just i'm going to spend 15 minutes playing a game now like i you know i'll play a round of golf or i'll play a, you know i'll drive a race or like i'll do half of each of those you know and the steam deck its pick up and play nature has just made that so much more realistic For me, then, like, I don't know, it's a very small thing, but just like picking up the PlayStation controller, pressing it, PlayStation turns on, boots up. Now I'm in, now I have the TV, right? Like, I'm now taking over the TV to play this game for 15 minutes. Like, there's something about that sometimes where it's like, it's too much overhead or focus when instead I can just pick up the Steam Deck, I turn it on, I'm already where I was before, and just play it.
2: It's, it's the equivalent of setting the whole table if you just want to drink a glass of water. That is
0: a beautiful way of putting it. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like, yeah. all right, let me go get the napkins, and <laughs>
0: I'll get the placemats, and get the best china out, and then just sit down, take a sip, and leave. Uh, yeah. So these are my kind of typical guilty games, because it's just like, realistically... You know, like we're all adults, we have limited gaming time available to us, and I feel like that there are best of all time games that I know I would enjoy that I probably will never play because I'm spending time trying to beat Tiger Woods in the FedEx Open. Did you? Yeah, I crushed him. Absolutely destroyed. Yeah. I just, it, he, it's like Tiger Woods, I beat him so bad he forgot my name. Like, it's it's just absolutely ridiculous how well I did in my you first season. You made him retire, season. right? I don't think anything can make that guy retire. He just had another surgery, he'll be back. My other thing is uh, city building games. I, I haven't played one of these for a while, but like, especially on iOS, you know, like your Sim Cities and that kind of thing. And before I started today, I was like, what was the name of that game that I used to play? And it was called Pocket City. There is now Pocket City 2 oh, wow. on iOS. Re- really? Yeah, That's and I've insane. downloaded it. I paid for it. It's five pounds, paid up front, no microtransactions. You can build the whole city. And it's new thing this time. Is like You can then drive like cars around the city, so you can go down to city level and like drive around. So nice. I've just... I paid for that and I guess I'll give that one a go. Those games for me are a problem because they absolutely suck me in. Like, I get so. Like, I waste. Those are like actual complete time wasters for, for me because I will find any moment to. If I'm playing some game like that on my iPhone, you know, like that's the problem. Uh, but I do love them, but they are also like for me, absolute like junk food video games.
1: Long live junk food. Yeah, man.
0: There's a place for all of it, right?
1: Yeah, completely. So, I mean, earlier on you talked about the Steam Deck. I think it was a couple of years ago and I said, PlayStation is cinema, Xbox is Netflix, and Nintendo is Disney. What does that make Steam Deck?
2: mcdonald's (laughs) no (laughs) i mean did you
0: did you have a net your xbox is netflix right well i guess now it would be max right where it's like the best gaming experiences but also now all of the stuff like the home improvement shows right so i guess that it's max if we're dealing with it that way Mm.